0: What's going on, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I'm Daniel Yafusi. Thanks so much for tuning in. And the win streak continues for the Miami Dolphins. Winners are three straight, the latest being a 24 to 17 victory over the New York Jets at MetLife Stadium on Sunday. Uh, the Dolphins improved to four and seven on the season. And you know I'm not going to say that they're in the hunt for a playoff appearance, but Let's just say they're keeping things interesting in the second half of the season. They'll put that winning streak on the line on Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium when they host Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers. It's going to be an interesting game. It's the first time that they'll be, uh, facing Cam Newton since his release from the Patriots before the start of the season. And as you all know, he signed with his, uh, original team, the Carolina Panthers, um, in the past few weeks. Um, they'll be making a second straight start, uh, third game. And, uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup. You know, he had success against the Dolphins in, in week one of the 2020 season, not so much later on in the, in the year, but obviously it's, uh, you know, new, new teams, new teammates, uh, Different game plan. Uh, and I'm excited to get into a lot of that as well as kind of touch on some things from the Dolphins been over the Jets. Uh, but first I want to introduce this week's guest. Uh, we have Ellis Williams, who is a Panthers beat reporter for the Charlotte Observer. Uh, he's in the, he's in the, excuse me, the McClashy family. Uh, so I'm really happy to, to bring him on. Ellis, how you doing, man?
1: I'm cool, man. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Uh, should be a fun game. We're about to preview a team. I, two teams I think are in similar spots and and that's what I'm looking forward to get into you with about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. And, and, you know, for me personally, I'm sure you as well. I mean, and earlier in the season, I was kind of eyeing this matchup because of, you know, kind of the elephant in the room, the Deshaun Watson rumors. Um, These two teams, I mean, by all accounts, were the teams who were really m- most in on Deshaun Watson, kind of trying to see what it would take to pry him from the Texans, where he still is, hasn't played all season. Um, It seems that by all reports, he only waived his no trade clause for the Dolphins, Um, you know, Regardless, both, neither team was able to get anything done. Um, but, you know, they kind of move on and trying to solve the quarterback question in different ways. You know, the, the Dolphins with Tua Tagovailoa, the number five overall pick in the 2020 draft. And, and for a moment with the Panthers, it was, it was Sam Darnold. Um, had a pretty nice start, you know, with Matt Rule up there. Um, kind of shaky as the season went on and obviously got hurt which kind of opened the door for for Cam Newton to make this reunion. Um so I, I do kind of find it interesting that both teams are kind of coming back and uh, facing each other, you know, in the midst of those Watson rumors that have kind of settled down, but I'm sure that once the season ends and we get to the off season that'll pick back up. Um just curious for you Alex, cuz I'm sure it's been it's been a crazy couple couple weeks for you. Um you know, you're new to the beat uh coming mid season and all of a sudden, Cam Newton arrives. I mean, what first, first off, what can you kind of say about what that has been for you and really for the city?
1: Yeah. So the return of Cam Newton was completely unexpected. Uh, when the trade deadline passed and it was revealed that Sam Darnold would be moved to IR, um, we peppered Matt Rule at his, uh, would have been a Wednesday presser about quarterbacks they were going to bring in and they did bring in a quarterback that day, but it was Matt Barkley from the Tennessee Titans practice squad yeah. uh, to back up PJ Walker. Cause it looked like Sam wasn't going to be able to go. And Newton's name came up several times. Uh, clearly Matt was playing his cards pretty close to the vest and b- being coy, not saying anything uh, because later it was revealed broke by our own Jonathan Alexander of the observer. Yeah, That's scoop, Yeah. Amazing scoop uh, that cam uh, David Tepper, the owner, um, Steve Drummond, a uh, uh, Vice President, and, and Rule were meeting uh, Thursday, and once Cam got to Charlotte, you knew it was a done deal, and once the report, the d- more details came out, it was revealed that he called Cam Newton as early as Tuesday, and asked him of that week, and asked him if he wanted to uh, come back to Carolina, and I know we're going to get into Cam's performance, um, but I will say you can't answer the question of what cam's comeback has been like without explaining trying to explain that energy the energetic experience at bank of America stadium, when he walked out to coming home and, and the place went nuts. It, it, it's an, it's an all time sports moment. I can't imagine people from Charlotte, how they feel um, very rarely in sports. Do we get players who are uh, iconic with one place and will always be known for being in their home that home city cam newton embodies everything about charlotte and the panthers and in his first game back they beat the arizona cardinals the second one they, they lose to washington and now they're sitting at five and six and truthfully the the feel-good storyline has is over you know this is about football now this is about them winning games uh it was some pretty uh, down and out press conferences on monday that you could tell matt rule really got into his guys um and with that being said it's it's time to like they were saying it's time to look onto Miami because um you know that they have now put their eggs in the Cam Newton basket like you said they were trying to get Deshaun Watson not all that secretively it, it was funny watching the contradicting reports like you know is Christian McCaffrey in the deal is he not <laughs> yeah will Cam it will uh excuse me will Deshaun Watson waive his you no know, trade clause for Carolina reports were that it was only Miami but then we got some sources here saying no he would come to Carolina so you know how this stuff works people are just gonna you know put out their side of it and we move on but you're right about one thing regardless of how this ends for either Miami or Carolina they'll both be back in the Deshaun Watson rumor mill come February
0: yeah most definitely and um, it kind of brings me to my next question the next kind of topic I mean um, I guess kind of all eyes are on you know the the two quarterbacks at, at at you know the top of these matchups. Um, you know Tua. Um, it's been a it's been a whirlwind one plus year years. You know, um, obviously coming off the hip injury in Alabama, starting on the bench, taking over for Fitzpatrick. Um, you know they kind of catered this offense to him in in year two, and it's, it's been you know rough sledding. You know sideline for three games because uh, of a rib injury and then he has a fractured finger which kind of sidelines him for like one and a half games um until he kind of comes in Thursday night and saves the game saves the uh the day or saves the night really mm-hmm. um you know I, I think he's played really well um Especially, you know, given the circumstances, I keep on saying I think he's winning in spite of everything around him. Um, but of course, you know, when the opportunity presents itself to acquire a, a superstar quarterback, a franchise quarterback like Deshaun Watson, I mean, all bets are off. I mean, you can never, you can never really tell what's going to happen there. And I think that it's almost it might be a case for Tua of um, it. It's not really more so about him; it's more so about Deshaun Watson and what he can present. You know, um, it might not be about what his potential and what his future his ceiling may be but what you know you have in Deshaun Watson and and I'm curious from the other perspective from the other side of things um you know one just how did you think Cam looked in that first start and I mean truly is this something where this maybe be an audition for him being the uh, I, w- I mean I won't say the, the quarterback of the future because you know Cam is I won't you know, came on the back half of his career, not you know the front half. Um, so, do you kind of see this as a potential audition, at least, to maybe start for this organization in twenty twenty two?
1: It's a great question. The Panthers are in a bit of a quarterback purgatory, meaning they don't really have an answer outside of this year, and it doesn't really seem like they're thinking about much other than this year, which tends to get uh, general managers and head coaches in trouble. Uh, down the line. And, and I say that for this reason. They're still paying Teddy Bridgewater, quarterbacking in Denver, who was the quarterback for the Panthers last year, of course, about seven or eight million just to play in Denver. Uh, before even seeing Sam Darnold take a snap in a Panthers jersey, they picked up Sam Darnold's fifth year option for about 18 and a half million uh, guaranteed in 2022. So, regardless of what happens with Darnold, they're paying him 18 million in next year. And then you have Cam Newton. Who they cut and replaced with Teddy Bridgewater, who then they replaced with Sam Darnold, which then gets them back to Newton. You see the carousel here, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it's maddening in a way. Uh, and a uh, good example sometimes the grass isn't always greener, right? So I say all that. I set it up to say this this quarterback room is going to get quite expensive if Cam Newton keeps playing well and ends up being the quarterback for 2022. 'Cause I don't know how you're gonna be able to allocate, you know, if Cam demands twenty million. And pay him either- a lot
0: too now. I mean, it was a, that was a pretty big deal he signed just to pretty much play like the final nine or so games of the season. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Four and a half guaranteed upwards to ten million with you know, with Super Bowl clauses and all that. Yeah. Um but they're paying him starter money. So they're going to have to do some cap gymnastics. I wonder if that means players on these one-year deals that are making this defense special, Stefan Gilmore, Hassan Reddick, how do those guys, how do they retain those players if they're caught up in this quarterback uh, controversy? But that is a way of getting to the point that Cam, if you had to put a betting favorite on it, Cam Newton would be the favorite to be the 22 starter right now. They're going to look in the draft. They're going to explore all their options. Uh, but that is the dress difference between Miami and Carolina right now, is that it, Miami at least has a young guy that they're still building on and an asset they could flip in any situation. You're not flipping Cam Newton for much. Uh, the Panthers are though are in the short term, have a playmaking, rejuvenated quarterback. They don't have a long-term solution, and I'm not sure where it's going to come from.
0: Yeah, and I wanna touch back on something that you mentioned earlier that, you know, they're they're really just focused on the now. Um I mean, is this what year is this for Matt Rules? The second second, second year. So Matt Rules in year two, Ryan Forr is in year three. Yep. Um I feel like the the C obviously there's one one extra year of uh of Brian Forr's tenure and um, you know, he had a impressive ten win season in his second year kind of leading that ship. I mean is the is the seat warm at all for Matt Rule? I mean, if they were to miss the playoffs, I mean, what would be the the tenor of the of the of the owner and of the organization?
1: Uh, it's a it's a great question. If you go on Panthers Twitter, the seat's hot, right? But what seat isn't <laughs> hot in NFL Twitter when your team exactly. is not playing well? Yeah. Um, I, I it, look things in this league. I learned in my first year covering the Browns was 2019, and Freddie Kitchens was the head coach. And you got those type of questions middle of the year, right around this time. And you felt like Freddie was going to get another chance. You know, you don't see one and done a lot in this league. Uh, but things went from bad to worse. And the Panthers are now in a spot where if they have another New England game, if they have another Giants game and things go from bad to worse, then anything's possible. But if this team, you know, can get to eight wins, if they, you know, essentially playing 500 football without being able to have a 500 record anymore because of the mm-hmm. seven game. Uh, Matt rule seems safe. Uh, there might be some coordinators that are in question, whether Joe Brady just leaves for another opportunity yeah. or, or it, it's just replaced altogether. It, it's, it's so hard, Daniel. It's so hard to judge this team right now, because you're talking about a quarterback who has had one full week of practice, yeah. and, you know, and now is getting ready to play a week 12 game. Um, they've really scrapped all their plans uh, from a X and O standpoint. Not that they've completely changed the playbook, but mm-hmm. you're starting from scratch, right, with a new quarterback, and you're starting from scratch from a leadership standpoint too. I mean, Sam Darnold was a captain; he had a C on his chest. Oh, starting wow. Yeah, they're starting center Matt Paradis tore his ACL uh, two weeks ago against New England. You know, he had a C on his chest. So now, you know, you're in a with a team with a, a leader by his presence alone in Cam Newton, which then where's that put Matt rule, you know, your whole message changes from training camp to now it's a lot of patchwork and a lot of times that can lead to you going down with your ship, but winning cures everything. And if they can string a couple together and be in the wild card hunt, they've got uh, four games left against division opponents. Tampa looks incredible, but Atlanta's going nowhere. New Orleans looks in flux. They have a chance to at least, put another enough good taste in really the owner David Teppard's, Tepper's discussion and get to year three. But that year three will start out hot um, as you guys can relate with Brian Flores and how this year's been going
0: for him. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so crazy to me now. It's like, you know, I even throughout the, the losing streak for the Dolphins, which, you know, went up to seven, you know, I mean, by the time they reached four straight losses, you had people, you know, on Dolphins Twitter saying like, putting out names for new head coaching kids. And it's like, it's like we live in such a microwave society in terms of everything that it's like, if the quarterback isn't good um, halfway through the second year, if the coach isn't, you know, competing for Super Bowls in year two, it's almost like, Hey, we gotta, we gotta, you know, jump ship and kind of start from scratch. And it's like, I'm always, I'm always, I'd rather preach patience first, um and, and maybe draw things out a little too long, then just kind of get rid of uh what you have at the first side of adversity. Um but it but it is so interesting and, and really as we talk about all this, it's gonna be so just so crazy to see what happens um with like the whole quarterback car- carousel as a whole yeah. in the offseason. I mean you're going to have for just like cam newton available again you know you're yeah. going to have deshaun watson that talk i mean and then you're going to have um you know there's been rumors that this is going to be aaron Rodgers last year and uh russell wilson russell, yeah. you know it's, it's just it's just so crazy that like the, t- the turnover that we that we might have and um you know how this final half of the season is really going to impact a lot of that you know on the on the dolphin side you know we're saying that it might be a uh, an audition period for tua you know whether it's with miami or with another team um so it's just funny to kind of look at it through those Lenses and you know, the Dolphins might n- not necessarily be competing for a playoff spot like the Panthers are, but you know they're they're competing for a lot in terms of guys you know keeping their jobs. And I think this this three game winning streak has done a lot to kind of uh, maybe calm you know the owner Stephen Ross or you know with the higher ups and and whatnot. So it's just going to be so interesting to see how this second half of the season plays out. You know,
1: yeah, and with that too, as the second half of the year plays out, we keep talking about quarterbacks and coaches. A lot of this too is how these draft picks. Keep developing yeah. right now. Right now in Carolina, uh, they're getting torn up on the ground. They they, they allowed uh, 190 yards rushing to Washington last week on 40 carries. In all of their losses this year, they're allowing a uh, believe 160 on average. In their wins, they're only allowing 70. Yeah. And there's a lot of uh, heat right now on Derek Brown, their first round pick from a year ago, top top five pick. Uh, he's just not make you know he's not creating movement up front. And that makes me think of Miami at times with all the assets they've invested in the offensive line, you still see that offensive line struggling. So whether it's co- quarterback play, whether it's coaching on field decision making uh, or the these draft picks, it's all connected where when you're a young regime, you've got to be able to hit those trifectas or you're right, you're, your seat gets hot and you're out the door sooner than later.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. You know, I've said it a lot and, you know, a lot of people in Miami have said it, you know, that 2020 draft class is like still up in the air. And that was kind of right. like, I feel like that, that might be the one for for a long time. It seemed like that might be the one to kind of do the general manager Chris Greer because you have two and number five. Took him over Herbert. Uh, Mm Austin Jackson, number eighteen. I mean, they moved him from left tackle to left guard. And then you have number thirty, Noah Igminogany, who can't even he's a cornerback. He can't even be active on game. I'd say, yeah, he's been (laughs) (laughs) inactive. Exactly. But but you know, I think I mean, truth be told, I haven't really said it, but I think the twenty one draft class for the Dolphins might have saved, you know, a lot of people's jobs. If we're being honest, you know, cause they have Jalen Phillips, who, who's been really good. Javon Holland, who, who looked like he might be a star. Yep. Um, blanking on another one. I mean, obviously Liam Eichenberg has had his, has had his struggles. Um, but you know, Jalen Waddle, yeah. you know, their top receiver. So I, I'm almost thinking that it might, it might kind of balance yeah, things out. So of course, you know, so much has to come together. You know, you talk about quarterbacks and how they have an impact on, on winning, but so much has to come together to put yourself in a position to be like a real competent organization and compete for those playoffs, you know?
1: Yeah. And that's why this has been fun talking about these two teams with you. go to NFC, AFC, uh, and, you know, Matt rules, a second year head coach Flores a third year. These teams feel like in real similar spots, like they're close, but they're not quite there. And, and this game Sunday is going to push one of those teams in that right direction.
0: Yeah, I mean, a close in record too for us. Exactly. Five and six. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, we're going to take a short break, but we, when we come back, we're going to really preview, uh, Sunday's game, talk a lot of, talk about a lot of different angles, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Cam Newton. You know, this is a tough defense, uh, that Miami's facing probably the best in a couple weeks. So we're going to get into that on the other side of things. So stay with us. Get ready for the greatest roast of
1: all time. The roast of Tom Brady.
0: We're back on the Dolphins in that podcast. Still got Ellis Williams from the Charlotte observer with me. I'm talking a lot about uh, these two organizations who, as Ellis mentioned, you know, while AFC NFC, I mean, they're, they're kind of similar, you know, both pursuing Deshaun Watson, uh, both trying to turn things around with fairly new coaches. And obviously they play on Sunday. Um, You know, I find this to be an interesting matchup for the dolphins because um while the team is not on three on a 3 game winning streak the defense has improved from those early season struggles the offense starting to show signs of life uh you know i think this panthers defense is definitely the best defense that the team has faced since week 8 against the bills um we we all know that the dolphins have struggled in both those matchups um you know we, we're still seeing similar issues where you know the team starts off strong um kind of gets bogged down in the middle quarters and then turns things back, turns things back up in the fourth quarter. I mean, Tua is statistically one of the best fourth quarter quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, But again, you know, we we've seen some of these big plays that they just couldn't hit on, you know, the most recent being a 65 yarder to Matt Collins. um, that kind of gave them the lead in the third quarter. Um, You know, you can debate whether it's because of busted coverages or whatever, but you know, they're hitting on the plays. That's, that's what, I mean, that's, that's what you can say. I mean, they didn't do that before and they're doing that now. Um, but they're going to have to prove it again against a tough, uh, Panthers defense. I, I think that they're a third or so in terms of efficiency by football outsiders. So, I mean, this is a, this is a really good unit, especially against the pass. Um, I mean, I want to ask you, Ellis, I watched the condensed version of the, the Panthers Washington game, uh, this morning. And one thing that stood out to me, you know, I wasn't watching the all 22. I don't think that was up yet. Um, just watching the condensed clip, clips. Um, and you mentioned it before. Washington had a lot of success running the ball, um, especially on the on those kind of like those outside zone stretch plays where you kind of look for a crease and cut back. Um, I guess, is that maybe like the one weak spot of this Panthers defense? And if not, or if it is, what else do you think the Dolphins can kind of attack on Sunday?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a glaring deficit in the the Panthers defense right now. It, it started against Dallas, uh, their downhill running style, the wide zone, uh, Minnesota Vikings carved up them as well. And it, Arizona had a little success with it, not in b- bunches, but in uh, a few hit plays there. And then Washington just came in here and, um, really bullied the Panthers front seven. And what's going on with the Panthers front from what I'm wa- seeing on film is, you know, they deploy a lot of a smaller, uh, linebackers and play them as, as edge rushers in a, you know, a four eye or a, a five outside. And that makes it hard to contain the edge. You know, Hassan Reddick's a great pass rusher. You know, he, he's, he's six foot one to 40, right. He's not your traditional uh, four, three defensive end um, that, you know, they play two linebackers, three safeties, a lot of, a lot of corners, and that's just not going to get the job done consistently um, in stopping the run. Now, I don't see this as a team that's going to start changing their personnel because they don't have a lot of options. This is how they've built this defense. Where they need to be excellent is on, and I'm going to end up saying this about the offense too, but they need to be excellent on third down and getting off the field. Tyler Heineke converted a fourth and four, uh, you know, throwing the football. And so you can give up yardage between the 20s. You can allow teams to run the football on you. It's not the sole reason why you lose but when you combat it with breakdowns in coverage in critical moments that's when your your team is going to fold and that's what Washington was able to do they scored with 14 seconds left right before halftime on a 12-yard touchdown pass from Heineke to Terry McLaurin uh so the combination of a consistent running game and then timely uh kill shot throws has been what does Carolina in and I'm curious is does is Miami set up to play that type of game uh or how have they been rushing the football this year I, I haven't seen a I mean, lot mean, they're,
0: they're one of the I mean statistically they're one of the worst that's
1: what I, yeah that's what yeah. I they're thought. one of
0: the worst rushing offenses in the NFL I mean they've only rushed for over 100 yards I think three times and mm-hmm. uh they I mean they rushed for over 100 against the Jets um that was the first time since week seven and and that it's funny that's why I asked you because um, you know, this is a really aggressive Panthers defense, it seems. I mean, they have Hasan Reddick and Brian Burns on, you know, book and edge rushers. Yeah. I think that they can give Liam Eikenberg, the left tackle and Jesse Davis, the, the right tackle, a lot of issues. So I, I, I was asking you that to set it up. Like, you know, if this unit, if this Dolphins offense can run the ball, you know, they don't have to run the ball as well as, you know, they have to get 190, but if right. they can get 100, I mean, they, they, they run the Dolphins run on early downs kind of a lot more than I would like them to okay but also understand it because I don't I, I think that they want to take a little bit of pressure off Tua um and I think in recent weeks and especially last Sunday they were able to kind of like pick up four five um getting those second and second and manageable and you know you know a lot of people talk about Tua's arm strains. can't throw the ball 60 yards down the field whatever but he's really good and he's really good and you know 10 to 15, 8 to 12, yep. that, that range. So if you can get in those third manageable, I think that it, uh, takes a lot of pressure off that offensive line. You know, you don't want to be in a, a third and 12 situation where, you know, you gotta do a three step drop or whatever. Right. And, right. uh, you know, let, let those defensive ends or outside linebackers tee off. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I do think that again, this is a game that they might be able to run a little better. I, I mentioned, I've written about this and, and tweeted about this. Which is just really weird to me. You know, like PFF has the Dolphins offense line just graded terribly in like pretty much all metrics, but ESPN's, uh, run and block win rate. I mean, the Dolphins are like seventh and, okay. and you know, all these metrics are different. You know, run block win rate is pretty much how long can you sustain your block for 2.5 seconds? Um, yep. So, I mean, that, that's how ESPN grades it. But they're seventh, and they've been, like, top half of the league for the majority of the season, which, which is why I was wondering, like, where's that dissonance? It's because the running backs aren't as good. Um, but, I, but I think that Sunday was kind of a step in the right direction against a pretty good Jets front. Um, and, again, if they can do that against the Panthers, uh, that'll go a long way to kind of taking the pressure off the offensive line, especially those tackles.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they have a commitment to the run game like that. You said they've been running it on early downs. Where the Panthers could get Miami in trouble – is, you know, you said third and 12. I'll go I'll go even a step further. I'll say, you know, that third and seven, third and eight range. Hassan Reddick is third in the league right now with 10 and a half sacks. Brian Burns, not too far behind him. I think seven uh, for himself. They're both on pace for career highs. Uh, this is a, a defense that wants to create havoc and, and play fast and not, you know, blitz to the sense that Miami did against uh, Baltimore uh, mm-hmm. Thursday night a couple of weeks ago, but they're going to send five, maybe six, and they're going to do it quickly. And it's usually those ends that win. Jeremy Chin can put the, their safety, can play along, around the line of scrimmage. Um, so if you get them in a spot where they can just start teeing off uh, on those young tackles and, you know, then a turnover, you generate a turnover where, where this game is going to be completely different um, if those ends can start uh, getting after Tua. And then that's that's when really the Carolina is playing its best football.
0: Yeah, I haven't looked up the metrics very recently but i remember um maybe a week maybe 2 or 3 weeks ago i saw some like graphic and it said it showed the tool wasn't really like a a crazy blitzed quarterback and i thought that was surprising okay. um, i i i mean i guess that the the thought process by opposing defenses is hey we can get pressure with four because a lot of defenses have um but i think it will be interesting to see how we kind of um does in the face of that pressure and and you know that that blitz in um you know on the other side of things when we're looking at the dolphins defense uh facing the panthers offensive yep. vice versa you know early on you you know way back when cam signed with the panthers which obviously wasn't too long ago yeah. um i had I had a fan uh comment on my tweet when i, I guess i said you know cam's probably gonna start and he says Hey, like we handled Lamar cam is going to be nothing. And uh, I asked the defensive coordinator, Josh Bora about that. Um, You know, early, I guess it was Tuesday, Tuesday morning. I said, Hey, you know, most people are going to look at cam and say, Hey, the, the Dolphins were able to control Lamar Jackson, the best running quarterback in the game. Um, Do you see any differences? And he said, Hey, like, yeah, we're, they do do some of the similar same QB runs, but they kind of dress it up a little different. You know, it's a little bit, uh it looks a little different. Um I personally don't think that this matchup really comes down to can the Dolphins contain Cam Newton? I think it's more so can they contain Christian McCaffrey? Because usually when he's healthy in the lineup, this offense kind of revolves around him. Um and while Cam Newton might not be as dynamic a runner or even thrower as Lamar Jackson, I think that having Christian McCaffrey be in be in the backfield when you're doing those option runs it's a lot more pressure on a defense as compared to when Lamar Jackson is doing it with like Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell. Um, I guess what is the best way you would say to contain McCaffrey? Because I mean, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to hand the ball off to him. They're going to spread him out. He's going to run routes out the backfield. I'm not sure there's any linebacker on the Dolphins defense that can stick with him, but I mean, how would you contain him if you were a DC?
1: Yeah, Washington – well, first of all, look, you're not going to contain him from a yardage standpoint. This guy goes over 100 yards from scrimmage in the first half almost every game I've been to. Um, He is going to get his. You know, He's like a NBA scorer. You're going to accept his 20 points a night. What you can't let him beat you in are those situational moments when you do decide to blitz and he can really burn you and gash you. And that's why I would say that this matchup is completely different than Baltimore – Miami because Lamar a lot of times back there was just going empty set, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, and he would just get teed off from the the safeties blitzing and they have no options. If you Cam will be back there with McCaffrey, and if you're going cover zero, man coverage across the board and McCaffrey's in the backfield, you know, those angle routes, those Texas routes are going to be there all day. Mm -hmm. And one-on-one McCaffrey versus linebacker safety is usually gonna end well for McCaffrey. So what you do with McCaffrey is you try to have your defensive ends chip him when he starts his route. You, you see sometimes when he goes out on the starts a route and the defensive end notices, he's doing that. The defensive end will delay his rush and try to get a hand of McCaffrey and then continue his rush, which, you know, buys more time for the quarterback, but also delays the route that he gets out on. Um, And then you see a, a linebacker uh, covering him inside and you try to have a safety outside. Now that's in a perfect world. That's, something you can't do every snap which is why McCaffrey gets his so McCaffrey has a chance to really be the the complete difference maker in this game if Miami decides to come out and blitz heavy like that if they're playing you know rush three rush four and dropping six or seven then this is going to be more on Cam Newton and his decision making his intermediate passing and the, the the Panthers' ability to run the ball—they only ran the ball twenty times against Washington. Matt Rule said after the game he wants to rush it upwards of thirty. So this is this is again an offense that's still looking for an identity. I'm not sure exactly what form of the Panthers you're going to get. I just know that an all-out blitz against Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey probably gives McCaffrey the advantage because of the one-on-one matchup.
0: Yeah, and you know even Xavier Howard said like like a couple days after that Thursday night game. Somebody was asked him asked him um, you know, do you think you can do this for us this season? And he was like, Heck no, you know. Uh he was like, Man, this is football. Like we can't just keep on teeing off on people. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, they're gonna adjust. And and we saw that a little bit in Sunday's game where, you know, the Dolphins would show cover zero because, you know, they'll show cover zero and then they'll, you know, they'll drop They'll drop two, they actually rush like yeah. four and then drop a couple guys or they'll, they'll rush five and still drop some guys. You know, they won't, they'll show cover zero, but not really, you know, play cover zero after the snap. Um. And I thought the Jets were actually really prepared, you know, um, using some pick routes, um, getting the ball out of Joe Flacco's hands a little quicker. Obviously, he's not as mobile as Cam or Lamar. And, you know, so you really need to get the ball out quickly. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm even thinking of earlier in the Dolphins game, you know, they had some problems with Michael Carter just, you know, just on handoffs, you know, on, on normal runs. Um, so I'm thinking of, you know, the way, you know, I, I what comes to mind is that touchdown catch that, uh, McCaffrey had um yep. you know in the in the washington it was a great pass by by Cam and a great route you know he just kind of wasn't really a real route but he just kind of leaked Not out the same. Yeah, yeah, and just right, yeah. Went right up the seam. And, um, I'm not sure if they were, if the Washington defense was in man or zone, but he just kind of got behind everybody and Cam just threaded it to him. Um, and I'm just thinking about the, the mismatches that that's going to cause. Um, which is why I say, you know, it's, it's not really about stopping Cam. It's about stopping Christian McCaffrey. You know, Cam didn't really, I mean, outside of his, uh, his touchdown, I mean, I don't think he really, he didn't really break a, a lot. You know, he had, mm-hmm. a, had a couple, couple runs here and there for a couple yards, but it was nothing, it was nothing crazy, you know.
1: Yeah, the whole offense is lacking explosiveness right now. Cam had 10 carries, 46 yards, you know, 4.6 average there, obviously. Um, he only had one pass deeper than 19 yards. That was a
0: touchdown pass, right?
1: That was a yeah. touchdown pass. So a lot of this has been dink and duck, um, and they it's been a theme all week. How can this offense get more explosive? And they're going to tr- try against Miami. They have to, or you're going to see uh, – an offense that can't sustain drives, they had four drives uh, had be four plays or shorter, mm-hmm. and that is why the defense was on the field so much and how you end up coming up short. I think uh, uh, Washington ran 16 more offensive plays and had the ball for 11 more minutes. And, you know, you combine all those factors with a lack of explosiveness, you're not going to win games.
0: I was going to say, man, you gave me some PTSD when you talked about explosive plays and where they at. <laughs> Cause for, man, for a couple, for a couple of weeks, for a couple of months, that, that's all we kept, that's all we were asking everybody in, in Miami, man. But they finally started to put it together. I do think that this is one of those, again, those kind of defensive oriented games on both sides where, yeah. um, you know, both, both teams are kind of leaning on their defense to really set the tone, maybe force a turnover here and there, give them some good field position. Um, I, I don't really see this being a, uh, a high scoring game. And, you know, as we go into game predictions, you know, this is a, this is a real toss up for me. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at either outcome. I I really do think this game is going to be a lot tougher than uh, maybe some Dolphins fans are believe um, again, you know, just because it's Cam Newton, they stopped him last year a bit. They stopped Lamar. Um, man, a lot of people aren't going to like this. So I think, I think I'm going with the Panthers in a really close game. Um, and the thing is, it's not because the Dolphins, you know, aren't talented enough to win this game. I think they are, um, but I, I do think that this three-game winning streak has kind of been a byproduct of them beating up on, you know, the, the Ravens are a good team, um, but the defense isn't, and they've kind of been able to take advantage of some really um, bad defenses. And you know, if if the Panthers have one or two busted coverages like we've seen in the past couple of weeks, then yeah, okay. And if they can generate a fifty yard pass play off that, then yeah, we might be able to they might be able to put up some points. But this is still a offense that like struggles to break break twenty four. I mean they got scored twenty-four against the Jets, but um, you know, it, it really took that entire game to get to 24. I mean, the offense scored 16 against the Ravens and then they had the scoop and score by Xavier and Howard. Um, and I just feel like I you know, it's not luck or anything. I just say, you know, eventually the ball doesn't roll your way. You know, the, the ball kind of rolled their way, didn't roll away for seven weeks. It's kind of rolled their way for three weeks. I think we do see, you know, the, the market kind of correct and uh, maybe the Panthers make one more play than the Dolphins do how do you think this game plays out
1: you laid it out perfectly these teams remain so similar in their trajectory in this season Uh, just looking at the Dolphins schedule you know if Miami can win this game they've got a chance to string together some wins Uh, they do do. you know know, I see they got the Jets again the Giants who just fired their offensive coordinator the schedule gets soft the Panthers I'm worried about what they have in week 13 and What they have in week 13 coming up after Miami is their bye week. And it's this seems like a team that is just needing their bye week desperately, not from a health standpoint, but to just recharge and get Cam Newton fully up to speed. And you talk about offense that can't generate a lot of points. Uh, The Panthers, 21 against Washington, 6 against New England, 19 against Atlanta, 3 against the Giants.
0: It might be first to twenty one in this game. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. So give
1: me Carolina twenty one twenty in a in a real close game, and like you said, it's just going to be one more play. I really don't have a, a great feel for this one, and it all becomes down to the the quarterback that is going to be able to make a play at the end. And I don't know if that means two of throwing it against this Panthers defense or cam making something happen with his legs i i I lean towards the panthers and cam just finding a way they had a chance to win the game at the end against washington and didn't i think they learned from that and come out on top in miami
0: yeah it really is a toss-up it really is and you know we keep on saying these teams two teams are different conferences but they're so similar like i mean the dolphins are on on a three-game winning streak you know if they win this game um i will actually entertain playoff hunt talk I won't say playoff talk Playoff hunt talk Um, because I do think that they're going to beat the Giants and then beat the Jets after their bye um and and like like you said I mean it's a it's an opportunity to kind of get back on the right track you said that they have a bye coming up you know they another week for Cam to really get this uh get this system under his belt and they could potentially maybe uh start to vie for a playoff spot so I mean this is a Again, they, I mean, they're not in. Both teams aren't, you know, they're not solid playoff contenders. But I mean, this is a this is a really important game for both organizations right here.
1: It is. It's going to decide which way the season goes. One one team's going to feel all their playoff hopes be dashed if they lose, and the other's going to feel like they're right back in it. And that's why they play the game, my man.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've been listening to the podcast. That's what I say that all the time. I say that's why we play the games. It, I like that. You might be listening. <laughs> no, I like that. I'm just messing with you. But now it's definitely, you know, it's, it's not very often you say a, a game between losing team, two teams with losing records is interesting. But yeah, the storylines, it's, it's an abundance of storylines mm-hmm. in this one. Uh, it's going to be an interesting game at Hard Rock Stadium on Sunday. Um, just curious, what's your, uh, favorite Thanksgiving side? I mean, we got Thanksgiving coming up on Thursday. What's your, what's your favorite side? I mean, I'm a macaroni and cheese guy. I know <laughs> Matt Judon was just slandering it, but, uh, what's your favorite?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be real basic here, but just load me up some mashed potatoes, put all oh, the you butter- like
0: Belichick, <laughs> yeah,
1: put all the butter in those, and and just let me sit and marinate in that, man. I, I I'll go any any sort of you know that creamy whip ma- mashed potato uh, where you still got the skins in there, mash it up all day. I I'm, I'm here for that. And you know, you, the, the mac and cheese is to die for too. I don't know how Judon could, could talk about the mac and cheese like that. That was disappointing to see today.
0: It really was. It really was. But yeah. you, how about you? Now let's I like the mac and cheese. I uh like ham. Yeah. I like the the canned cranberry sauce. You gotta gotta get canned. You know, you gotta have the ridges sure. in there. Uh but I'm excited. You know, I remember I was supposed to cover when I was covering the Ravens, I was supposed to cover um the Thursday night game between uh the, them and the Steelers. Yeah. Obviously they had the COVID outbreak, so they like postponed it three times. So I didn't get to cover a Thanksgiving game, which I was kinda you know, it's kind of yeah, I mean, I'm not happy there was a COVID outbreak. Right, and I was like, hey, I mean, at least I get to relax on Thanksgiving and uh and you know uh you know eat some food. So I'm and I'm glad to be doing that again this Thursday, uh, and then I'm sure I'm sure you'll be uh glad to kind of relax, watch the games, eat some food as well, man.
1: Exactly, man. And, and enjoy your time home. I'm glad we we're able to do this. Uh Enjoy some ham, enjoy the turkey, <laughs> and then it's right back to Miami on Sunday. Right back at the job, man. Let's get it.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm glad I'm excited to, to see you on Sunday. Uh, but this brings us to the end of another edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I want to thank Ellis so much for joining me, uh, talking some Dolphins and Carolina Panthers. We'll be back next week to recap another Dolphins game. But until then, you guys take care and have a happy Thanksgiving.